0: Everyone has a favorite Christmas song, but do you ever stop and reflect what these songs' root is from the Bible? In this series of messages, the Songs of Christmas, journey through these songs of praise and adoration that are in the Bible and learn more about the true meaning of Christmas. Great to see you here tonight. I am pumped that you're here on this Christmas Eve service at Canyon Ridge. I'm so thankful for everybody who comes and This is an annual thing for you, and we are encouraged by that, Um, and then those of you who have come tonight for the first time with family and friends, we are indeed grateful for you as you take your Bibles, if you have them tonight, if you can see them, and turn to the book of Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles tonight. I want to thank those watching online tonight. And appreciate you. I know many of our church members are sick or traveling. It's just that time of year, and we are indeed quite grateful that you have taken the time out of your schedule to come. I love Christmas Eve service. Christmas isn't Christmas without Christmas Eve. And I uh, I love the service. I love the opportunity to be together. Uh, I love the opportunity to be together with family. It's a special privilege for uh, 19 years just about. Debbie and I were in San Diego basically without family. Her parents would travel down from Bakersfield, but when my sister, Gloria, and her husband, Charlie, joined our staff, it became extra special. This year, Christmas Eve, I got a text from my sister on Tuesday, uh, and she said, For Christmas Eve, I'm having hot dogs and pie. And I thought, that's not a Christmas Eve meal, but I'm in. And so tonight when we're done, uh, here in about 30 minutes, I will go and, and partake of hot dogs and pie at my sister's house. I might be too sick for church tomorrow, but let me tell you, I'm going to down some hot dogs and pie tonight. And I think there's some cool Christmas traditions that you ought to have as a family. And uh, going to church is one of them, and I'm thankful. And if you have kids over in the Christian Education Center and the Multipurpose Building, make sure that you tell each of those nursery workers and children's workers how thankful you are uh, that they gave up part of their tradition to be serving tonight. And we're just thankful for each and every one of them and thankful for every one of you. The text we're looking at tonight is going to be found in verse number 8 through verse number 20 of our text, Luke chapter 2, verse number 8 through verse number 20 of our text. And it deals with some very common men in the Christmas account of the Christmas story. I want to talk to you tonight about the shepherds. Shepherds, if you didn't know this, they deal with sheep. Not everybody might know that. I want you to know shepherds deal with sheep. They, they do. That's, that's who they deal with. Sheep are interesting creatures. They are 100% dependent on other people for their protection. Every, everything about a sheep is dependent on something or someone else. They are, according to shepherds, and I read this online, so it has to be true. They are singularly unintelligent. Many shepherds say, uh, this is not Chris Chadwick saying it, this is me quoting, that they are the most unintelligent, unintelligent animal that God created. They are prone to wander. They are unable to find their way to the sheepfold or where they would spend the night, even if it's within sight. It could be from from me to that piano over there, and there are sheep who could not make their way to that without a sheepdog or a shepherd guiding them into that, because they are wholly unintelligent. A shepherd's task is thankless, one fraught with loneliness and isolation. It was a task of a shepherd to lead a sheep from the sheepfold in the morning into pastures and cool water in the early part of the day where they would eat and then they would sleep for several hours uh, in the uh, early afternoon and then they would lead them back. It sounds a little bit like my teenage years where my parents fed me in the morning. I slept all day and they fed me again at night and I went to bed. Seemed like my life. After grazing and watering, they would go back and the the sheep will go back to the sheepfold and the shepherd will care for them and feed them. To protect sheep against predators, a shepherd would carry two pieces of equipment, a rod and a staff. The rod is a club-like weapon that is used to fight potential harm that might come to the sheep. And a staff is that crooked stick that's used for protection and rescue. And he would place it along the back of the sheep as they would come into the sheepfold and give a familiar account. The men in our story tonight are totally unsuspecting that anything great is going on in the world. It's a night that they have been through really the vast majority of their life. Often shepherds would begin watching sheep as young as three and four years old as they would be trained in that age and by the time a boy was nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old he could be watching sheep in the daytime by himself. I mean they've been doing this their entire life. So it wasn't a part-time job, it was a lifetime calling. It's something that you did all the time in your life. These men were just out one night watching sheep as they had been. The sheep were, from the account, they were in the sheepfold. They were in the place of protection. They were in the place that guarded them. And out of nowhere, we see something amazing happen. Verse number 8. And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I want you to notice something about these shepherds in verse number eight. It was to these men that Jesus first, the announcement of Christ's birth first came. And I want you to notice three aspects that are very meaningful to us tonight. Three aspects that are very meaningful to us tonight. Number one, they lived messy lives. I want you to notice these shepherds lived messy lives. Shepherds were near the bottom of the social ladder. When you think bottom of the social ladder, we probably don't think guys who watch sheep, but in that culture, they did. If you said, hey, who's the outcast in society? Everybody here might have an opinion, but in that day, shepherds would be at the top of the list of the bottom in society. Does that make sense? They were messy people. They lived messy lives. They were uneducated as far as, as training would go, and formal education would go. They were unskilled. You wouldn't ask shepherds to build you a house if you will, if you will. They were viewed as dishonest, unreliable, unsavory. So much so that they weren't even allowed to testify in court. If a shepherd saw a crime committed, he could not testify in court. He was not accepted as a reliable witness in court because of the character of those who performed his trade. Shepherds were usually social and religious outcasts. They were unclean in temple worship. They were viewed as being in continual violation of religious law. I say all that to simply say this, they, they were just messy people. And here's the reality, they lived up to their reputation. They were messy dudes, Nobody wanted to raise their kids to be like a shepherd. Nobody said, hey, son, one of these days after you get out of college, my dream for you is to go be a shepherd. Not at all. They were just super messy people who lived very messy lives. Let me help you to understand something from our perspective this morning. I don't know what baggage you came in here with, but it's not greater than Jesus can deal with. Jesus came to deal with messy people. Jesus came to work to help messy people. Jesus came because messy people needed a savior. Religious people need a savior too. Even Mary needed a savior. But the first announcement, which was of intense importance, was not to the religious elite. It was not to King Herod. It was not to the Caesars of the world or the political elite or the wealthy of the world like Nicodemus in the Bible. Bible, the first announcement was to some guys who were considered the messiest in all of society. So I don't know what addiction you have in your past. I don't know what problems you have in your present. Some of you even hold on to your problems like, my problems are bigger than God. No, they're not. Jesus came for messy people and he came for you. And don't think for a moment that your problems are greater than the grace of Jesus Christ. Don't think for a moment your sin is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus came on this Christmas Eve, 2022. He came, let me just remind you, for messy people. So yeah, your your past might be messed up. Your present might be messed up. Don't think for a minute Jesus didn't come for you because of your situation or Jesus didn't come for you because of your sin. He did. He did. He did because he came to messy people. Number two, I want you to notice in verse number eight, when they were in the same country, shepherds, they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, doing their job. You say, it does not read that in my translation. Yeah, it's probably not there. Keeping watch over their flock by night. They were just working. They were just working. So we got some messy guys who were in their own world. They weren't looking for the Messiah. They weren't saying to one another in the field, you know, man, maybe the Messiah will come tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for an angel to fall down from heaven and tell us Jesus is here. No, they weren't doing that at all. They were wrapped up In their own world, I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying what was going on. They were wrapped up in their own world, doing their own thing. That's where they were living. That's how they were acting. They were acting like so many of us as we prepare for the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just get so wrapped up in our own environment and so wrapped up in our own things. They were in their own world. They weren't looking for Jesus. They hadn't been to rabbinical school. They hadn't memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. They were maybe even like some of you here tonight, they weren't even sure those things were even true. Every year it comes to Christmas Eve. Every year. People come to Canyon Ridge on Christmas Eve. There are folks who come to church, messy people with super busy lives, just trying to make it one more day. Just trying to make it one more day. Living in their own world. Sometimes people come with an air of spirituality. Uh, Sometimes they've studied a lot and they have an air of spirituality. Sometimes they read Wikipedia right before they come into church just so they can have an intelligent conversation with folks. I appreciate that too. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for that. Sometimes they come with an idea of I'll tell them I'm this religion or I'll tell them I'm that religion or I'll tell them I believe this or I'll tell them I believe that. No problem with any of that. But here's the reality. When Jesus begins to speak to us. He speaks to us when we're in our own world. The Bible says this actually, that no man can come to Jesus except the Father draws him. God draws people to himself. God is working on you. You're here tonight. Let me say this. I know you're in your own world. I know that many of you are like, man, when do, I, when do I get the hot dogs and pie? I hope I don't have to have them at the same time. But when do I get them? They're in their own world doing their own thing, looking for some hope and looking for some help. Can I tell you today that Jesus comes to people who are in their own world? Jesus comes to people whose lives are so busy searching for meaning and hope and help, and he does it all the time. And so Jesus comes to them. We're going to talk about the angels tomorrow morning in a quick service as well. The angels come to him in verse number 9, and they speak to him in verse number 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And then they tell the story of Jesus unto you is born today in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then there's a multitude of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace could will them in. And then the angels leave verse number 15. And here's what the shepherds do. They were quick to obey God. They were quick to obey God. They heard that Jesus had come. They heard that he had come to them. It was announced to them. They are as shocked as they could be that the message would come to them. They would have never thought in a million years that the message would come to them. They weren't looking for the message. They thought that the message would be for other people. But it came to them. And when they heard the message that the Christ child had come, that the Messiah had come... They were quick to obey. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15. "'Let us now go even unto Bethlehem "'and see this thing which has come to pass, "'which the Lord has made known unto us. "'And they came with haste "'and found Mary and Joseph and the babe "'lying in a manger.'" And when they had seen it, seen the babe, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. The word made known, or the phrase made known, means to make known through, discreet, through a discreet spreading abroad of the tidings. In other words, they just didn't run out in the street and start yelling it. Just everywhere they went, they started telling people, hey, the Messiah came. 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 Everywhere they went, they were telling people that the Messiah had come, the Messiah had come, the Messiah had come. I mean, it was it was important to them. And let me say this, obeying Jesus was more important than their job. They left their sheep back at the sheepfold. Obeying Jesus was more important than going home. Obeying Jesus was more important than anything in their life. Being obedient to Jesus was the most important thing in their life. For these busy, messed up dudes. So often, people will say, I'm going to follow Jesus when my life's not as busy as it is. I can't begin to tell you the number of times I've talked to folks in my life and I've shared the hope that comes in Jesus Christ alone if people will understand that they are a sinner and they need a Savior and only Jesus Christ can save them. As I share that story, I've had any number of people tell me things like this. Well, Pastor, as soon as I get my life figured out, then I'm going to come to Jesus as my Savior. Brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't come to people who figured their life out. Jesus came to people who need a Savior, whether their life is figured out or not. Whether it's figured out or not. Your life might be messy. Your life might be struggling. You might be having difficult and dark and challenging days. But can I tell you this? Jesus came for you. And all that you need to do to have a relationship with the Christ child is be quick to obey him. Be quick to receive him. Truth is, we don't come to Jesus because we have something to offer him. The shepherds didn't have anything to offer Jesus. We come to Jesus because he offered everything to us. Tonight, Jesus is letting you know that he loves you. The Christ child left heaven and came to earth to let you know that God the creator loves you. I can't even see everybody in the crowd. I see a lot of lights in my wife. That's about what I see, the front row. Best looking front row in America tonight. (laughs) Amen. It's about what I can see. You say, well, how do you know he loves me? Because the Bible says God so loved the world. He loves everybody in the world. He loves you. He loves me. And he loved you enough that he would leave heaven and come to this earth so that you would understand how much that he loves you. And he came that you might have life. And he knows this. He knows you live a messy life. That's why he died for your sin. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter five, verse number six, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for you. He knows that you're often living in your own world. Jesus says this, I come that they might have life. John chapter 10, verse number 10, I've come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. People are often seeking for so many things and Jesus says if you want abundant life, if you want real meaning in life, real value in life, real purpose in life, I've come for you. I've come for you. And he promises you that if you'll repent of your sin, it means to turn from trusting in yourself, and call on Jesus alone for eternal life, he promises that he will give you eternal life. Jesus said, for whosoever, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. The angels came and they told these messy shepherds who were busy about their own life, the message of hope that comes from Christ alone the message of hope that comes in Christ alone. And he's still telling that story. That story is still being told for you. Well, my life's messy, that's all right, come to Jesus. My life's busy, that's all right, come to Jesus. What do I have to do? Be quick to obey, understand you're a sinner, repent of your sin, and ask the Christ child to come into your life and to give you eternal life. And he promises that if you will, Ask him. He will forgive you of your sin and give you eternal life. 1972, in the hill country, in the hill country not far from Jerusalem, a shepherd had been tending his sheep throughout the day. And he brought his sheep into a walled-off sheepfold where nothing could get in, he thought, and nothing could get out. He got his sheep in the sheepfold, and he went to sleep across the entryway into that sheepfold, as was his custom. And while he's sleeping, and he doesn't have a huge flock, but he has a a flock of about 20 a sheep, and while he's sleeping, he hears a commotion, and he's quick to wake up, and he grabs his rod, and he grabs his staff, and he goes to investigate, and he sees that a wolf had broken down some of the rock barrier, and he didn't realize it was it was penetrable, and the wolf broke it down and had grabbed one of the sheep and was carrying it away and just mauling it. The shepherd was quick to spring into action, and he took his rod, and he began to beat the wolf as hard as he can. Well, the wolf normally would run away, but this wolf was extremely hungry, I guess, and began to fight the shepherd, and a battle ensued. And the shepherd is fighting the wolf, and the wolf is fighting the shepherd. And eventually, the shepherd defeats the wolf, and the wolf collapses into a bloody heap, as the article is written But the shepherd, the shepherd was not without injury. The shepherd crawls back to the wounded sheep and he begins to tend to his wounds and he drags the sheep back to the sheepfold and he fixes up the sheepfold to the best of his ability and he begins to clean the wounds and bind up the wounds and then he takes the sheep and and he covers himself over the sheep and they go to sleep. In the morning, when other shepherds came to relieve the shepherd, they found that that shepherd had passed on into eternity. Here was the headline in the Jerusalem paper the next day. Sheep alive, covered in shepherd's blood. Sheep alive, covered in shepherd's blood. Brothers and sisters in Christ, can I remind us this evening that the reason that we're alive is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for the sin of all mankind. We're alive today and we love this little, we love not this little story, we love this little Christ child, we love this baby, we love that Jesus, the fact that Jesus left heaven and came to earth and died for the sin of mankind. We rejoice in that, we're thankful for that, we're humbled by that, we're hopeful because of that. But it did not come without sacrifice. I could say it this way. Chris Chadwick alive, covered by Jesus' blood. Debbie Chadwick alive, covered by Jesus' blood. You can put yourself in that. Chris Chadwick, I just love this. Alive, covered by Jesus' blood. If you want to be alive eternally, you've got to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7, in whom we have redemption, that's another word for salvation, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. I'm thankful that Jesus left heaven and came to messy people who were living their own lives, who simply need to be quick to obey God. I simply titled this message, Jesus Came for Everyone. I wonder today, have you received him? You say, it's Christmas Eve, Pastor. Shouldn't we just feel great about the Christmas story? Right, the Christmas story really only has meaning if you'll receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Tonight, when the service is over, I would love it if you don't know Jesus or if you have questions about Jesus to come talk to me. You'll see five or six people walking around with lanyards that say, talk to me about Jesus. Just go up to them. You say, what well, they're talking to somebody. Interrupt them. And talk to somebody about Jesus. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Those six people aren't the only people around here that you can talk to. You can talk to anybody around here about Jesus. We'd love to tell you the story of how Jesus left heaven, came for messy people, came for busy people, and will save anyone who will put their faith and trust in Christ alone. The Christmas story is a wonderful story, but it's not simply a story of personal hope. It's a story of eternal hope that comes from our repentance of sin and our acceptance of the Christ child. If you're here tonight and you'd like to be saved and God's drawing your heart to himself, you can be saved if you honestly and sincerely pray a prayer from your heart, believing in truth that says, Lord, I'm a sinner, I know, I'm, I, I know you alone are the Savior. And I ask you to come into my heart and save me. The best I know how in childlike faith, I ask you to save me. And I pray that you'll help me to live for you. You say, Pastor, it's the words, or the words magic? Will they say I me? Mean, no, no, it's just kind of a, a, a help to help you to understand that salvation's not some hard deal that you have to give money for or wash a lot of cars for or go on a mission trip or anything like that. No, salvation is calling on Jesus for repentance and expressing faith alone in Christ. And our prayer this morning is that, or this evening, is that you will do that. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time.